1: buckets brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook my name is Matt Moore I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and this is your slightly belated weekend recap we got some news for you to break down in the NBA we're going to get to a lot of stuff today Uh, we're going to talk about the LeBron injury on today's show and the impact of that in the betting markets we're going to talk about the MVP race and is that done Uh, and then we're going to talk about what we would bet on as far as the awards go, if we had to bet today as we enter in the final stretch run of the season, we will do that all on today's show and let you know all that we talk about today can be found in the award winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. Give us a second. Updates on where the bets and money are coming in on. All sorts of great stuff. Check it out in the Action Network app. If, you're not, if you not haven't done so yet and you're listening to this podcast, what are you doing? Come on. Come on. You got you to gotta download the app. You got to get the app. Amazing, uh, as well as you get Green Dot Daily, our daily live show, in there as well. Join me today, Albert Wynn. He's the analytics capper. You can find him on Twitter, at analytics capper. He is in Southern California, joining us on this, from a remote location. Albert, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm in SoCal to mourn LeBron James' injury. <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit, but no, I'm excited. The NBA's uh, regular season is dwindling down. We're going to focus on some of the uh, the teams that we think can could, could make the playoffs or make a potential run. And then obviously no the, the awards as well,
1: but I'm doing well, man. How are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm hanging in. Lots of stuff to get to. I'm working on playoff picture, uh, set of magic numbers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and we'll talk about all that on today's show. Let's go ahead and get started. First segment today, we're going to talk about this LeBron James injury. So the Lakers make all these trades at the deadline, and they finally kind of change things up, and they're on track, and they get all of these new additions, and Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell, and Jared Vanderbilt, and they, even without Dila, who's out too, and we'll talk about that in a minute, they staged a 27-point comeback versus the, the Mavericks on Sunday. Phenomenal performance. What a comeback. On the road, mind you, that's a huge swing game. They got all the momentum in the world. The ESPN's talking about, How much would they beat the Nuggets by? Like, would it be four games or five games for a team that's in 12th place in the Western Conference? All of this, all the momentum in the world. But LeBron in that game suffered a foot injury, came down, told a teammate and told the trainer, I heard a pop. Now that's better than like, I felt a pop, which if you feel a pop, that's always terrible, but it's never good to hear a pop. The language that has come out on this is pretty significant so uh initially shams reports multiple weeks that's all i said it's like multiple weeks and then the same and then another tweet he says multiple options that's a concerning bit of information chris haynes followed up today chris haynes is very plugged into the clutch camp chris haynes followed up today and said that you know it's gonna be several weeks and then they're gonna reevaluate him and weigh several options so again i'll just go ahead and say this my read on the situation from all of that language is the initial reports are you probably need surgery whether it's to repair a ligament or there's a fracture or whatever and they're trying to wait to see where how he heals and see if they can avoid surgery but like this also may be tied to team performance if they survive without him then maybe they they assess a different approach to this rather than you go two, three weeks. If they go, you know, I kind of game planned out a three week absence. They've got 11 games in that span. If they go three and eight, if they go two and nine seasons over, you're done. You're too far back to catch. Can't catch up. Okay. LeBron's going to go ahead and have surgery and set himself up. If they can hang, maybe LeBron tries to play through it, tries to get back on the floor. Like doesn't go to that kind of option. That's my read on it. That's speculative, not based on reporting. But at this point, like, especially as betters, we're going to have to speculate a little bit to try and get a sense for, we don't even know what the injury is. Like, we don't know if it's a fracture. We don't know if it's a tear. We don't know what what it is. So we're going to, especially with the odds that are on the market, we're going to have to look at this. Currently at FanDuel, the Lakers are plus 225 to make the playoffs, minus 290 to miss. That briefly popped up over 300 on Monday. It's gotten back down to minus 290. Um, do you agree kind of with the, my assessment as far as like what we're looking at here reading tea leaves when it comes to LeBron?
0: Yeah, especially the latter points that you were making, Matt. Um, I think they're gonna play it um, I wouldn't say necessarily by ear, but they're gonna see how they do well. There's twenty one games left in the regular season. I think either way, if they do let's say they go five hundred and somehow sneak into like contention for play in tournament with a few games left. Yes, I do think LeBron may rush and get back into it, but even then, right, at the end of the day, Matt, you're going to need a 100% healthy LeBron to even do anything in the playoffs. So if your if your goal is just to make the, the postseason and then risk another significant injury, I think that's the wrong move. Uh, the trade deadline moves that they made or trades that they, they acquired, the players that they acquired, is not only for this year, right? They have, It's it's a potential to build next year and the year beyond as well. So in my opinion, uh, it pains me to say this as an NBA fan, because it would would have been nice for them to get like an eighth or a seventh seed. I think the seventh seed would have been more interesting. Um, But I, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm very, very bearish on this team. You need a hundred percent LeBron and you need a hundred percent healthy Anthony Davis. And those two right now are big risks. Again, 21 games left. They may go, you know, eleven and ten in their in the next twenty one, which would be a significant improvement to how they've performed without LeBron for the last several years. But I agree with you, man. I think it's uh it's a it's a fade for the Lakers right now. It's a sell time.
1: Lakers currently twenty nine and thirty two. I have gotten a little annoyed at some of the conversation, which acts like this team is like suddenly awesome. Um, People are confusing better than they were with good. Like that game on Sunday says a lot more about the Mavericks blowing a 27 point lead than it does about the Lakers. Um, They are just two games back in the loss column of the fifth seed. That's how tight things are in the Western conference. So they're just two games back in the, in the loss column in the Western conference. That's good. The problem is the number of teams that are in there, right? So when we're kind of capping this, you have to examine not only, like, well, they're only two games back. Like, they could catch. Like, they could definitely catch into a play-in spot. They can. But, like, look who they have. They have to outclimb um The Blazers, they have to – the Thunder tied with them in the lost column. So they got to beat the Blazers and the Thunder outright. Then if they want to get into a seven or eight spot, they're going to have to get past two of Pelicans, Wolves, Jazz, Warriors, Mavericks, Clippers or that's four rather, right? or just two of those. Yeah, just two of those. So you have to get past at least two of those teams, right? And while they the trades made, like there was a great trade that they pulled off, adding, I was making this joke, like adding actual NBA players to LeBron and Anthony Davis makes the team better, who knew? But that doesn't mean that like they were great. They weren't, they're not an elite team. The other thing here is D'Angelo Russell, who is out at least tonight and tomorrow um, as we record this on Tuesday night, he is out. He is out for both the Grizzlies game and the back-to-back game versus the Thunder. That was like a key. Piece. Like they traded with Russell Westbrook and replaced him with DeAngelo Russell, and now Russell's out. They're down to Dennis Schroeder. Like that's it. Like they don't have. They're really short on shot creation now. Um, this season, the Lakers are five and nine straight up without LeBron. That's the record. It's five and nine. Okay, not good. Uh, it's still bad. When I took out the games where Anthony Davis played so even when anthony davis plays not good the schedule in this little let's let's say that lebron's able to get back okay he's in he's superhuman gets back in three weeks i looked at what that schedule looks like they've got grizzlies and thunder tuesday night wednesday night wolves Warriors, Grizzlies again, Raptors, Knicks, that Wolves, Warriors, Grizzlies, Raptors, Knicks stretch, that's all at home. That's five home games in a row. Then they're at New Orleans, at Houston, home for Dallas, home for Orlando. My thought process is, okay, all of these teams are about 500 or a little bit below. The teams that they're competing with really are, are below 500. So if they can get to five and six over the next 11 games, they can stay within range. What that looks like is they need to win the Oklahoma City game tomorrow. That Wednesday game is crucial. They have got to win that Thunder game. Um, Beat them. Minnesota, who's been terrible lately. Okay, you're at home. You're on uh, at least, you know, one day, two days rest coming off of the Wednesday game. It's third and four, sure, but still. Then uh, beat the Pelicans on March 14th. Houston on March 15th in a back-to-back, and the Orlando game. Oklahoma City, Minnesota, New Orleans, Houston, Orlando. That gains you ground on three of those teams, and it's two tank squads. Orlando's not tanking, but they're bad. So, like, those are winnable. That, to me, is, like, the pathway for them to go five and six and at least be in within range if LeBron James can get back. What I am trying to say, my problem here is like plus 225 to make the playoffs is not like this is serious Lakers juice. Like this is a serious Lakers tax for how public they are. Like if this, if there is any other city on the name of this jersey, if the jersey's got any other name on it outside of maybe Boston, like there's no way that this number is plus 225. It's plus 300, plus 400, somewhere in that range. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think that if you're going to bet, The Lakers, if you want to bet low on them and say, like, I think LeBron comes back, he's superhuman, I think they can get through this stretch, Anthony Davis can play like an MVP, they can get through this. The number is not plus 225 to make the playoffs. Do you agree?
0: I fully agree with you, but I would say that the one saving grace for them, and let's just say they end up playing well, and let's say in the next 11 games you have them played it to win five of those, but five and six, just right below five hundred. If they beat the the right teams in that stretch, right? Because there's a lot of teams that are just right above them, right? The Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Mavericks, Pelicans. They play all those teams. If those are the games that they end up winning, then it could kind of change the landscape of of how the West may shape out. But you're right. Like it's it's a huge Lakers tax, and I think a lot of that is also excitement from the trade deadline. A lot of money went in right at right at the deadline or right when LeBron came back from injury. Um, but none of these are for sure wins without LeBron James. They had LeBron James, uh, you know, get the record record over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and they lost that game against OKC at home in L.A. So, I mean, again, even if these teams are tanking, I would say only the Rockets game is a for sure win. And even then, like, it, it's, I don't think they would cover, right? So from a betting standpoint, this is a team I'm going to stay far
1: away from. My take on the Lakers is um, (laughs) I don't think you have to bet them now. I think if you want to bet them, you wait. See if like, wait till LeBron gets back. Right. Because um, my angle is I don't want to bet them to make the playoffs. There's just not a good enough return on that. Like there's too much that can go wrong. This number is short. The good number here is for them to win the Western conference. Like that's the good number is for them to just like, they get in and LeBron and AD and it is a miraculous story. And what a, What a wonderful tale of the underdog triumph um, for a team that uh, literally has an extremely high payroll with two Hall of Famers on it. Sure. But that's like the play, but you can't do it unless you like you cannot bet the Lakers to win the Western Conference. If you don't know LeBron James is going to be back. So wait until he's back. You will not get the plus thirty four hundred that they are right now, but you'll get a good number. Like you will still get a a double digit number for them to win the Western Conference. If you want to bet the Lakers, that's the number I want you that you should bet. You should wait and bet that number.
0: But Matt, even double click on that point, Matt, because I fully agree with you. I would only bet that if they're the seventh seed. This is not a two thousand seven Warriors Mavericks situation, right? The Lakers, guys. I'm gonna. It's not even going out on the Lakers. If they face Denver in the first round, will not beat the Denver Nuggets. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, everyone living in fantasy land. The Denver Nuggets are the number one team in the West for a reason. Jokic is going to be a back-to-back-to-back MVP for a reason. They have a deep team. They have a superior coach, a superior system, and they have the best home court advantage in the NBA. So if they, if the Lakers get into the play-in game and get that eight seed, do not bet them to win the West. If they somehow get to that seventh seed, if they play – I don't know the Kings or the Grizzlies. That is a higher chance, but even
1: then it's a long shot. So I I reacted on Twitter today to the the ESPN uh, segment from yesterday's show. It was before the LeBron injury, so I want to like make clear they weren't saying this after LeBron, but it was like Tristan Thompson being like, raise your hand if you think that the, the Lakers would beat the Nuggets. And he raised his hand and Mark Spears, congratulations to the Hall of Famer Mark Spears, raises his hand um and uh Vince Carter was like very sheepishly like I guess and Rona Shelburne was like yeah um and it was matter. it was just for me it was crazy that they were all just so confident and I was like if you ask me like can the can the Lakers beat the Nuggets sure N- Nuggets have defensive problems okay LeBron's playoff tested weird things happen I could see it I could definitely see it happening but like being like no no for sure so I'll 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 actually disagree with you. Where I would be nervous if I was a Nugget, and then I'll tell you, like being here in Denver, Nuggets fans would be terrified if it's LeBron and AD. I, I think they're way better in every single category. I think that LeBron is not the player that he you know was two years ago when they won that, or three years ago when they won the title. I don't think AD is the same player he was three years ago when he won the title. I don't think Jokic is. I think Jokic is way better than he was. Um, this roster is way better. Like all of these things matter. I don't mind if you want to wait, if you're just like, I, I believe in LeBron. I want to bet the Lakers for those people. I am just telling you wait till LeBron is in. And then if you're going to bet the Lakers, don't go small, go big, right? Don't go like, I think they can make the play in. go bigger because the variance here is extremely wild on how they're going to be able to make it into this play in tournament. And then from there, if they could just get in your value, go like shortens considerably. Yeah. Maybe take a cash out or whatever, but I would definitely, I would be looking to bet them to go further rather than taking a small stance on i think this team is pretty good they are pretty good but you can't get an appropriate price because they're the lakers and that to me is i think the lesson here let's move on let's talk about the mvp real quick uh we'll do if you had to bet the award here in a second i'll ask a question is mvp done uh nicole Jokic with a 40 point triple double and an overtime win over the clippers on sunday night capping off a fantastic weekend of basketball is absolutely incredible um it seems like forever ago that that Joel Embiid won a regular season home game versus Nikola Jokic, and everyone um, said, like, we've got to make this into a thing, and the straw poll's been out, and there's all these types of things. The feeling of, across everything is that Jokers pretty much locked this up. I do think that Sunday was a nail in the coffin, if not the nail in the coffin. Currently, Jokic is minus 310, Embiid's plus 600, Giannis is plus 1,000. I think the market is right in that – Nicole is a considerable favorite. We'll get to whether I think that number is completely accurate or not here in a second. But what I want to ask you, Albert, is this question. If I came from the future and I told you Joel Embiid wins MVP, and you got to fill in the blanks for how that happens, what has to happen for Joel Embiid to win the MVP?
0: First and foremost, he has to play all the games, That's uh, the rest of the games in the regular season. Um, so that's number one. Number two, they would have to, the 76ers would have to finish first in the East. That means they would have to catapult the Celtics and the Bucks. They're four games back. It's not impossible, but it's it's a very hard task for them to, to beat those two teams. And then from a numbers perspective, I think um, perception versus reality. I think reality is going to show that Jokic for the, majority of the regular season has had superior numbers, but the perception is going to be important here. If Embiid ends the season scoring, I don't know, four straight 45 point games and they win those games in national TV fashion. And again, they finish in first place in the East. I think then you'll have an argument on um, having Embiid as a legitimate contender. You know where I am in terms of Jokic. I think he's he's the bona fide winner. And I think it's more than him outlasting people. I think people need to respect how good jo- um, Jokic really is. Like He's a very deserving MVP this year. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, play the rest of the game, finish first in the East, and then have numbers that are better than Nikola. I
1: don't know if there's any way you can have better numbers. You can have better scoring numbers. If he leads the league in scoring for the number one team in the league, does that get it done? I, I would vote no. Um, but I could see why the, if
0: there are sentiments against giving Jokic back to back to back MVP, then that could be a narrative that they would attach the vote to.
1: It's been interesting to watch it. I, I think part of the key here is uh, what I'll say is from talking to voters, I do think the bar is high here. Like, I think the bar is really high for Joker to win back to back to back MVPs. I think giving it three. I think they do have a sense for, hey, Jordan never got three, LeBron never got three. Like, this is a big deal that they're doing this. The problem, and this has been the case the last two seasons, is Joker's just not giving him a fucking choice. Like, I don't think they want to, but like, he's averaging a triple double, scoring 25 points a game on 80% true shooting for the number one team in the Western Conference. What do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do? That's where I think a lot of it gets to. It's just like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I I don't, you know, necessarily want to vote for him because of the weight that it causes. But I think I got to, and that that I really do think it's where it's at. Giannis is a really interesting case, okay? He's, word came out while we were recording this episode, he's back tonight, okay? He's probably going to play fewer games than Joker and Embiid. Probably going to play fewer games by, like, a little bit. Um, The Bucs overtook the Celtics with their loss to the Knicks on, with the Celtics' loss to the Knicks on on Monday night. So, like, the Bucs have a shot here of finishing with the best record Giannis is obviously a far superior defensive player. The advanced metrics don't love Giannis because he hasn't been as efficient this year. Um, I have a little bit of a, like, I go back and forth. My eye test says it that Giannis is the best player in the league. That like he is the most dominant player. And, like, I watch Nikola night after night after night. I know how amazing he is. Giannis is so dominant on both ends of the floor. And objective analysis says that Jokic is more impactful. His team wins by more when he's on the floor. Um, his efficiency is way better. And that Matt, like people are like, what does efficiency really matter? Okay. Fucking literally the game is decided by whether or not you put the ball in the basket. If you don't do it as often as the other guy on the same number of shots, pro like r- if you adjust for that rate of shots, taking the other guys more efficient and he has the, the assist edge. Um, what does Giannis what does it like if I if I came back from the future and I said Giannis wins MVP, what does that look like to you?
0: Yeah, so people don't realize Giannis is actually not that far off, right? He's averaging more points than Jokic. He's averaging more rebounds than Jokic. I'm a little disappointed in terms of his blocks per game. He's averaging less than one block a game. For someone that, you know, big physically and that athletic, you you would expect a little more of their effort on on the blocking shots, but As a whole, he's a better defender than Jokic. So the way for him to win is similar to Embiid. He has to play the rest of the games, which you've already caveated by saying he's not. There's going to be some load management moving forward. And they also have to finish first place, not only in the East, but I think in the entire NBA, which they have a shot at. Um, I think, again, this is going to be another perception reality discussion. If Giannis finishes the last two weeks of the regular season you know, his team goes 8-0, and and he has a ridiculous 38-15-8, you know, stretch there. I think people are going to remember that. But I think Giannis has a much harder um, hill to climb to be an MVP because he's, he already had two. So it would be hard for these voters who are, quote-unquote, fatigued on Jokic. I don't think they would be able to turn and give a guy his third MVP. If anything, it would be Embiid because it's someone new. He's never won it before, and he does a lot for Philly. So uh, to answer your question, everything that Embiid, uh, but also he has to finish first overall on record.
1: Let's go ahead and transition to if we had to vote, if we had to bet on these awards today, if we had to bet, if I was like, here's here's this money, you got to go bet it right now. Let's start with MVP. Uh, you think it's done? You think this is over?
0: I do. Yeah, this is going to be a very boring segment for the both of us because I'm gonna, if I had to bet on any of these, any of these awards, it's gonna be the front runner right now. So with MVP, according to FanDuel right now, is at minus three ten. I think that's still a, a great bet for someone who I think is pretty
1: locked in to win that award. Uh, I would take MB plus six hundred if I had to bet it right now. So the reason is, look, I I think. A lot of this, there is a weird misconception about the straw poll. Um, So the straw poll comes out and Joker gets 75% of the first place votes. And the idea is that because more people didn't vote for Joel Embiid, that the gap is like really wide in terms of how much, how close those two are. That is a really boneheaded and mistake prone way to look at it. When Tim Bontemps asks those of us that are included in this poll, and I'm one of them, It is like it's just like the ballot, okay? It does not like there is no indication of how close is it. It is just who are you voting for? It's a binary choice essentially between Jokic or Embiid, Jokic and Giannis, depending on who you have top two. So, Jokic and Embiid can be very close, and Joker B at seventy-five percent, and that can flip very easily, right? And if it flips a little it's likely to flip in the voter block considerably because there does, I've noticed, not noticed, I've done the research and studied this. The vote coalesces around one guy in the end. This is not straw poll. This is like the actual vote. The winner has gotten 85% or more of the total available points allocated by voting since I think 2000 is when I remember pulling that from. So like it, there, if you want to call it group think, fine, but it coalesces around one guy. And you say like, OK, well, it's coalesce around Jokic. Yes, but if that shifts, it's going to shift together. My point here is that it is more likely that Embiid wins in a landslide than Jokic wins in a narrow race. That's what I'm trying to indicate. It's like it's very unlikely that we're going to get 40, 40 first place votes, 20 for Giannis. That's not what the vote looks like. Whoever wins it is going to get 75 to 80%, maybe 90% of the first-place votes. Um, And that means that if – it so from there, you need to figure out how close you think the the guys are in the voters' minds between them. I think Embiid is second, even though Giannis was second in the straw poll. I think Embiid, because of the time that Giannis has missed, I think Embiid is second. I think there is, like, a little bit of a push for, like, come on, we got to give it to Embiid sometime at 600? Like, that is that is a 15% chance of winning the award. Joel Embiid's chances of winning this award are not 15%. There is not a 15% – like, 15 out of 100 does, that Joel does not win this award. If this season replays over 100 times, Joel probably, I think, wins it like 40% of the time. Maybe a little bit less than that, considering, like, the variance for Giannis, right? Because if Giannis just goes on another 40-point tear every night, that, that changes it. But even then, it's definitely not fifteen. So to me, the best value is plus six hundred on Joel. That's my my thought process. I'm not betting it. So I already I already have a uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joel Embiid position from earlier in the season, along with a Mahomes Giannis. So I just I just really really got to get bet heavy on on Joker on on some of these parlays and get home. Um, so you talked about the the favorite here. So I'm I'm curious on this next one. I don't think that I'm. I'm not betting six man of the year. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done betting six man of the year. I'm done trying to figure this out. Right now, we've talked about Powell. I bet Powell consistently. He's plus six ninety right now. Um, Brogdon keeps moving up the board. I will say that like I'm a little interested in Emmanuel quickly because he's getting a little bit of buzz. Like he's plus forty two hundred. It's like a little. The only thing. I, The only reason I think that quickly, who's averaging twelve points a game, and that is not the category of like a six man of the year. But the only reason I think it's interesting. There's no good candidate. Like I don't know what this vote's gonna look like, Albert, because I don't know what like I don't know who they're voting for. The books think they're voting for Brogdon. I'm very curious what you think about Sixth Man of the Year and where if there's any value to be found in this thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a cluster of an award. Like even Russell Westbrook is, you know, one of the leading candidates at plus thirty six hundred. Bobby Portis, who I feel like he hasn't played in several weeks, is still up there at plus thirty-six hundred. Um, right now, the top three candidates: Brogdon, Powell, and Maxi. Out of those three, I think Maxi has potential to get CLV for you because the uh, Sixers may start continue to win, um, and then if if Giannis sits or if uh, Brown sits, uh, you know the the other two teams may fall back down to earth. But I think it's a Brogdon award. Um, I think you mentioned it a few weeks ago. I, I love your vernacular on this. I think it's the safest bet. He's the sixth man um, on the best team, and you can't you can't really pick any Denver Nugget on there just because the sixth man role there has changed a couple times now throughout the year, especially now with Highland gone. So by default, this is almost like a Brogden Award to lose. But I'm with you. Like this award hasn't made sense all season long. I'm not gonna bet this at all. Um, I remember uh, I was really high on Malik Monk. He's not even on here anymore. So. I'm not I'm not going to touch this what uh, touches the at all
1: a uh, little adjustment I did say 690 I thought it was a typo I thought that was high it's Powell plus 390 um Powell's leading in points per game for a team that's going to make the playoffs so like this should be rather open and shut that Norman Powell's going to win it but everyone keeps telling me I'm wrong and Malcolm Brogdon's going to win I gotta be honest with you like Brogdon's been fine but like I don't I think Brogdon's been sensational. I think it's been like the Celtics are death by committee. It's like him and Derek White and Grant Williams. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one to kind of figure, figure out. Uh, most improved player took some money this week. Shea Gillis-Alexander has missed a few games with an injury. And all of a sudden at FanDuel, Laurie Markadon's minus 280 again. This keeps like Laurie keeps taking money and gets through this really short number. Time passes and it gradually equalizes to where it's like minus 125 or plus 125 uh Laurie plus one 150 plus 175 Shay. Shay's now plus 440. Um, I don't have any reason to think that like Shay's gonna miss the rest of the season. Maybe the Thunder are being like this is a stealth tank, but I don't I don't have a lot of reason, I think, to suspect that. I, I continue to really wonder about. I think Marketing's been fantastic. I think Marketing's been a really great story. I have a hard time seeing the voters not recognizing Shea for the jump that he made and getting the Thunder to where this team with this roster is competitive in the Western Conference for a play-in spot.
0: Yeah, imagine this a couple of weeks ago. I think the tiebreaker is going to be team record. A couple of weeks ago, they were essentially tied. Now the Jazz are 31-31, and 31, sitting in eighth seed, while the Thunder have lost three straight um, they're now down to they're below the Lakers now at 28 and 32. Again, that's only two games apart. But I think that's why you not only is Shea missing games, but if OKC continues to lose games, I think it's just going to be a, a you know a, a long, a, a hard ask for voters to to select a team with the worst record. So, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, when it comes to Shea, we mentioned this already, but points, rebounds, assists. Plus, the fields and blocks numbers, he's a one-of-one one right now in the NBA. And unfortunately, he may not get any accolades because, um, because his team is not going to win enough or he's not going to play enough games. But this is a great opportunity if you had to bet this and you think OKC from a team perspective is not too far off from Utah Jazz. Again, only two games apart one week can really change the landscape of of the seating there. So if OKC can get on a winning streak three to four games or win four of the next five games and they jump Utah Jazz, then the odds here are going to change for sure.
1: Uh, we all like Jaron Jackson for Defensive Player of the Year. We've been telling you about it since he was plus one seventy-five. Uh, we were late to it, but we have been telling you on this podcast when they were still value to be wrung out of it. Um, He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I don't even think, honestly, at this point, I don't even know if injury would would take him out.
0: Are you surprised that's not as juicy as some of the other awards? Brogdon, Jokic, Markin.
1: I think there's still kind of like a. I, I think there's a, there's an idea of one Memphis is, is fate, has faded a little bit. I think there's always like a, an injury concern with Jackson versus like, I mean, Brogdon honestly should have one concerning his injury history, but a little bit of a concern there. And then the problem is just like, there isn't a super strong candidate and the next strongest candidate is not Brooke Lopez at plus three fifty. it's bam. But like, there's just not a, like, no one wants to talk about Miami. Like I I'll continue to say like, I don't know that I think Bam might be the, the best defensive player in the league. Bam might get my vote if I had a vote like I might honestly vote for Bam just from the perspective of Jaron is so explosive with the blocks and the Grizzlies defense is better overall, but Bam is so essential to the versatility that they put out there. Like in today's game, I don't know that anybody's as valuable as Bam. Um, That said, like, you know, minus 190 isn't, I think that the part of it though is like, they're not gonna take a lot of money on this either. I think that, that more money has come in on six man with the uncertainty and most improved. I think DPOY is, is a, this has been a pretty stable market. And that to me, I think is a reason why there isn't uh more juice on it. A favorites parlay, which you can do a FanDuel. Um, Jokic minus three ten, Palabancaro minus one thousand, Jaron Jackson Jr. minus one ninety, Laurie Markkinen minus two eighty, Malcolm Brogdon minus two ten is plus three forty four. So you get a lot, get, get a lot of things go your way on that. But if you do want to go that, you can do that at FanDuel. They are one of the only books that allow you to parlay awards. Let's go wrap it up for Buckets for a weekly recap with Albert. We'll be back next week talking about it. On Friday, I'll have a guest and we're going to catch up on all things on the playoff picture. Make sure to stay tuned for that. You can catch our Best Bets episodes Monday through Friday. We're going to be adding a Friday Best Bets episode as well as a Monday one that, that we're going to start doing as well. Make sure to be on the lookout for that. We'll see you guys again next time. Till then, let's get Buckets.